Let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your mercy and kindness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you that we have a new covenant now based on the forgiveness of our sins and the giving of gift of your Holy Spirit changing our hearts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as new covenant Christian people, we might understand what to do now with your old covenant uh, and particularly these Ten Commandments. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we come to this very, very famous passage. Uh, certainly the most famous passage in Exodus. Possibly the most famous passage in the whole Bible. Uh, today we come to the Ten Commandments. Now just a little, uh, little straw poll. Before you heard about the Ten Commandments this morning, can you please put up your hand if you already knew about the Ten Commandments? If you already knew the Ten Commandments, it's everybody, isn't it? Nearly everyone has heard about the Ten Commandments. Uh, but when it comes to dealing with the Ten Commandments, well... People have all sorts of different kinds of ideas. Different ideas about, to misquote the castle, what you do with them. What you do with them. Now, when I'm talking to non-Christians, I often ask them about how they think they'll get to heaven. I say, why would God let you into heaven? And I'm surprised by how often I hear people mention the Ten Commandments. They say to me, well, Jeff, I've tried to be a good person. Follow the Ten Commandments love your neighbour, all that sort of stuff, so I think God might let me into heaven. If I'm feeling cheeky, I'll tell them that love your neighbour is not one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and if I'm feeling really cheeky, I'll ask them if they could tell me what the Ten Commandments are. But that's what many people think. They think the Ten Commandments are your ordinary garden variety morality, the sort of morality they subscribe to, the sort of morality they follow. Although... More and more nowadays, I'm hearing people who will say that the Ten Commandments are irrelevant, outdated. Now, let's face it, they're usually talking about the adultery one there. Not too many people say it about murder yet in our society or stealing or telling lies in court. Uh, but some people say that the Ten Commandments are passé. Bit of French there for you. Uh, Old-fashioned. Uh, old uh, they say it's uh, a real faux pas to use French in lieu of English, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, they say that uh, the, these Ten Commandments are old-fashioned and out of date. But then, then, on the other hand, you've got some people who are passionate about upholding the Ten Commandments. They want to, there are movements now to get the Ten Commandments put up in schools, uh, to get them put up in the law courts. There are some people who even say that the Ten Commandments should be enshrined in our legal system. They ought to be made the laws of Australia. Now, most people know about the Ten Commandments, even if they couldn't actually name too many of them, but there are all kinds of ideas out there about what to do with them. So, today, here in Chatswood, what should we do with them? What should we do with the Ten Commandments? Of course, it's always a good idea to go back and look at them in their context. So let's, let's go back, that's our task, let's start off by having a look at the Ten Commandments in their context and we'll see if that helps us because they, they don't just appear out of nothing they appear in the context of this story that we've been following over the last few months so exodus chapter 19 israel arrive finally at mount sinai where they're going to camp for a long time they arrive at mount sinai and god invites them into a covenant with himself he offers them basically a deal he says okay i've saved you out of egypt now here's the deal if you do the things i ask you You'll be my special people, a holy nation, a nation different from any other nation, a nation set apart for me, a nation who'll be like priests. 
That is, they'll bring the presence and the knowledge of God to the world. Have a look with me. Pick it up in verse 3. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you were to say to the house of Jacob and what you were to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you were to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. God, can you see, has offered a deal. I've saved you. Now, here's the deal. Keep my commands. You'll be my special people. And now we see that Israel buy in. They say, yes, God, count us in. We will obey you. Verse 8. People all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. God has offered covenant. Israel have agreed. Now it's time for the parties to meet. To meet. God says he's going to appear to Israel. He says you better prepare yourselves. Wash your clothes. Uh, make sure you don't come too close. He tells them to prepare themselves, which they do. And then we see God appears. God himself appears in... Well, look at it. It's terrifying splendor. Pick it up in verse 16. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him, Tell you what, you would not want to mess with this God, would you? This is a holy God, a scary God, an intimidating God, the sort of God who's not your buddy, the sort of God you obey, the sort of God who says, jump, and you ask, how high? This is the God that Israel have covenanted with, and now they have met him, it should be clear, you don't mess with him. God calls Moses back up the mountain, then he sends him down again to warn Israel not to approach him. So back down, Moses goes again. And then at the bottom of the, at the, bottom of the mountain, Moses, um, God speaks to Moses and the people. At the bottom of the mountain, God speaks to Moses and the people. And he starts off, he starts off by reminding them what he's done for them. He says, I'm your God, your God. I've rescued you out of Egypt. Pick it up in chapter 20 and verse 1. Chapter 20, verse 1. Here's where it starts. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God is Israel's God. He saved them. He's offered covenant with them. They've agreed. And so now God sets down the rules. First four. First four are about the way Israel are to treat their God, this God that they are in covenant with. They're not to put any other gods before him. They're not to make statues, worship idols. And now that they 
bear God's name, now that, now that they are the Lord's people, Yahweh's people, they're not to misuse that. They're not to bear God's name, carry God's name, and bring it into disrepute by the way they live. And uh, they need to take each Friday night to Saturday night off to acknowledge that they are in this relationship with God, reliant on Him. Chapter 20, verse 3. Here are the laws about God. Chapter 20, verse 3. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, literally bear the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who misuses his name. And four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, four about God. The last six laws are about, um, they move from the vertical to the horizontal. They're about living as God's community. They say uh, how God's people are to relate to each other. They're to honour their parents, not to murder each other, not to uh, have sex with each other's wives, not to steal each other's stuff or lie in court or wish that they had each other's stuff. Verse 12. Verse 12. Number five. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. And ten, you shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. Well, this time um, Israel can't take it anymore. It's too, too scary to listen to the voice of God. And so in the last part of the passage, they say, Moses, please, will you go and get the rest of the laws by yourself because we can't stand it anymore. And that's what, God, that's what Moses does. Jump to verse 21. Verse 21, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. All right, well, there they are. The Ten Commandments in their context. You know, I reckon you look at them in their context, the way they fit into the story, the, the, the lead up to them, and a few things become clear. Certainly a couple of things become clear. Uh, first, first did you notice these commands are not meant to save people. That's a wrong way voiceover, okay? <laughs> to, to get it the wrong way around. God does not say, keep these commands and I'll save you, does he? No, no, these commands are given to saved people. That's chapter 20, verse 2. That's the starting point for the commands. The fact that God has already saved them. Do you get the distinction? Okay. These are commands. These are not commands. These are not commands that lead to salvation. They flow from salvation. God has already saved Israel from Egypt. These are commands to saved people. Okay. We want to be like the bloke with the mullet on this. Get it the right way around. Okay. These are commands to saved people. Second. Notice that these commands come in the context of a covenant. Israel has agreed to do what God says. 
to do their part in this deal that God has offered them. They've entered into covenant relationship. The Ten Commandments, they're the beginning of the fine print, so to speak. They show Israel in more detail how the contract works, okay? God, it seems, is being like a lawyer here. He's giving them the fine print. He's showing Israel what it means to live in contract with him, in covenant with him in this special deal. Okay, that's the commandments in their context. Let's then come back to the question we started with. Let's come back to the question we started with. What should we do with the Ten Commandments today? What do they mean for people today? And you can see on your outline there, I've got four points. Four points to make. Four points to make. Point number one. Point number one is this. The Ten Commandments are not the path to salvation. They weren't back in Exodus and they certainly still aren't today. No one will get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. On your outline there, I've put a verse from the Book of Romans in the New Testament because this makes it just beautifully clear. You see it there. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. The law they're talking about, the the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the commandments in the Old Testament. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Friends, I'm sure you're all very nice people, but you and I, we cannot keep the Ten Commandments. We don't always put God first. We don't always honour our parents. We don't keep the Sabbath. We do covet. We do lie. We do steal. Uh, Look, I suspect that very few of us could even name the Ten Commandments in order, let alone pretend to obey them. So, friends, let me put this as clearly as I can. If you think that you are going to get yourself to heaven by obeying the Ten Commandments, you are wrong. You will not end up in heaven. You will end up in hell. Using the Ten Commandments to get to heaven, it's like, it's like using a spoon to cut a tough steak. It's like using a chainsaw to screw in a screw. It won't work. It won't work because it's not the intention of the Ten Commandments. It's not what, it's, not what they're made for. It was never God's intention for the Ten Commandments to save anyone. It wasn't his intention for Israel. He'd already saved them when he gave them his commandments. It's not his intention for us either. What the Ten Commandments do, as it says there in Romans, is this. They make us conscious of our sin. They show us how far short of God's standards we fall. And so they point us to Jesus. The Jesus who died and rose again for our sin. The Jesus who's the only one who's paid the price, who can save us from our sin and bring us to heaven. That's the first point. The Ten Commandments are not the path to heaven. Jesus is the path to heaven. Point number two is this. Point number two is this. The Ten Commandments are not for outsiders. You never see Israel in the Bible going around to the other nations telling them to obey the Ten Commandments because they just weren't meant for the other nations. The Ten Commandments were part of God's special deal with Israel. God had saved Israel. He offered them the deal, keep my commandments and be my people, and Israel agreed. The Ten Commandments form part of God's covenant with Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 8, I've put there on your outline. Uh, It's Moses speaking to the Israelites a little bit later on, 40 years later on, and he says this on your outline. What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Do you know the answer to the question? 
The answer is none. No other nation has laws like Israel's. That's part of what makes Israel different, special, holy, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Do you see the point? The Ten Commandments are not for outsiders to this covenant that God has made with his people. They're not for people who don't have this special relationship with God. They're not for people who didn't voluntarily seal the deal with God. These are covenant commands. Uh, you know, if I, can, if I can go out on a limb here, I think this makes it inappropriate for us to force the Ten Commandments onto society. Fred Nile or no Fred Nile, I think it makes it inappropriate for us to force the Ten Commandments onto society. I don't think the Ten Commandments should go up in schools. I don't think they should go up in law courts. I don't think we should, they should even be put up in a church. I don't think they should be the law of Australia because that's not what they're meant for. They're not meant for outsiders. As we saw a second ago in Romans, the only role the law can have for outsiders is to show them and us how far short we fall of God's standards. They should make outsiders and us conscious of sin. They should send us to Jesus for forgiveness. And friends, I think that's what we need to be offering our society. Not Israel's laws, but Israel's saviour, the Lord Jesus. We don't want to encourage people to be legalists. Give them the Ten Commandments, tell them to go and obey them. It's just it's not going to do them any good at all. It's just going to send them to hell. We want people in relationship with God through Jesus. So, friends, if you feel the need to put some verses up, and I think it's a good idea to put some verses up in your school or your courtroom or wherever, or wherever don't put up the Ten Commandments. Put up something like 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. You see, we need to be offering grace, not law. Let's offer the world Israel's saviour, not Israel's rules. Uh, point number three, if I haven't offended you yet, <clears throat> point number three. The Ten Commandments are not for Christians. They're not for Christians. As Christians, we are in a new covenant with God. We're in a different relationship with God, a different deal with God from Israel here in Exodus. We are not physical descendants of Abraham who have been rescued out of Egypt. Our covenant does not say, keep these laws and you'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. No, no, whole new deal for us. We're in the covenant that says, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll be given the Holy Spirit and made God's person. We've been brought into relationship with God through Jesus. And the Bible specifically and frequently says that in our new covenant, we are not, quote, under the law. The Bible says the Old Covenant law has no authority over us. On your outline there, I've put a literal translation of Galatians 3, 24 to 25. Have a look with me. Galatians 3, 24 to 25. It says, The law became a paedagogos for us towards Christ in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that the faith has come, we are no longer under the paedagogos. Now, you notice that word, uh, strange word I've left untranslated there, the word paedagogos. We get the words um, pedagogy from it, pedagogue. Uh, a paedagogos, paedagogos was a kind of a slave. It's a slave, uh, an educated slave, that uh, parents would purchase to be like a private tutor for their children. Okay, like a, like a private teacher or something like that. But, but here's the thing. While the children are children, the tutor has authority over them. They have to do what the tutor says. They've got to learn for the tutor. The tutor sets the exams. 
They've got a SWAT for them, all right? They're under the authority of the tutor. But there comes a point where they grow up. And when their education under the tutor is finished. And at that point, the tables are turned. At that point, the Pythagogos is just another slave in their house. It doesn't have authority anymore. Vivid picture. That's what this passage is saying the Old Testament was like. A Pythagogos. Israel, like uh, children, were under the authority of the law. And it was meant to point them to their saviour, to Jesus, and, and to the way of salvation through faith in him. But now it says if you have faith in Jesus, it's like you've grown up. You've become a son in God's house, and so you're not under the Pythagogos anymore. Back to the verse on your outline. Now that the faith has come, we are no longer under the Pythagogos. Friends, if you are a Christian, you're not under the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law, including the Ten Commandments, it's like a slave in your house. It has no authority over you. You do not have to keep the Old Testament law as part of your new covenant with God through Jesus. Now, that may shock you. But if you think about it, it's great news. Great news for people like you. And great news for people like me. Great news for people who probably can't even name all the Ten Commandments, let alone do them. That brings us to our final point. The New Covenant and the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Ten Commandments do not apply to us in the same way they did for Israel. They're not part of our covenant with God. We're not under them, but that's not all there is to say. You see, the God who has saved us through Jesus is the same God as here in Exodus. He is still holy. He is still pure. He is still not a God to be messed around with. He is still a God who saves and he still makes demands of his people. He demands that we respond to his salvation in Christ by living as his obedient, spirit-filled people. There on your outline I've put uh, a couple of verses from Titus. You see him there where I am now? Uh, right at the end, right at the end. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us, to purchase us, from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Can you see there? Uh, we're not redeemed or saved because we're good. We're redeemed by Jesus. It's Jesus who by his death and resurrection has purchased us for God. But can you see we've been redeemed for a reason? It's to be Jesus' special people, eager to do what is good. The new covenant requires us to obey God, to do good, to live for God, and here's the point. I can see some um, screensavers going up. Come back to me now because if you don't get this bit, you're, you're going to miss out. Okay? Okay? The New Testament demands that we live, that we do good, that we live for God. And in the New Testament, we see that our life of good, it picks up in some ways on the Ten Commandments. That old Pythagogos, he doesn't have authority anymore. He doesn't set the exams anymore. But he still knows a thing or two. He still has plenty to teach us. And so in the New Testament, we see the uh, Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments and, and other commandments being picked up and used. Now, some of them are just transferred and applied. Uh, Honour your parents, Ephesians chapter 6. Don't give false testimony. Uh, don't covet. Just transferred, holus bolus, straight away. That's for Christians. Uh, others, the, other, others of them are um, they're kind of intensified. So the Ten Commandments say, don't make statues and bow down to them. But the New Testament picks up on that and expands it greatly. Jesus says, uh, Mammon 
is an idol, to worship money. Uh, Paul says, greed is idolatry. They, they, they extend, extend it. Or um, take, Ten Commandments say, don't murder. Jesus says, don't just not murder, don't even call people names. Or um, Ten Commandments say, don't commit adultery. See, Jesus says, don't just not commit adultery, don't even look at a woman lustfully. Some of the commandments are intensified. Uh, others of the commandments are changed. As Christians, we're not called Yahwists anymore. We don't bear the name of the Lord anymore in that way. Now we bear the name of Jesus. We're called Christians. And now that is the name that we are not to bear in vain. We're not to call ourselves Christians, but then bring Jesus' name into disrepute by the way we live. It's Jesus' name that we're not to bear in vain now. And uh, there's the Sabbath command also. When we trust in Jesus, we enter God's rest. For those who trust in Jesus, every day is a holy day. No need to have one special day as a Sabbath anymore, the New Testament says. Uh, do you see the point? See the point? As Christians, we're not under the Ten Commandments, but the commandments are picked up in the New Testament in different kinds of ways in the light of Jesus to inform our understanding of how to live in the New Covenant. And, and it's the same as with the whole of the Old Testament law. It's picked up in different ways, fulfilled in different ways in Jesus, applied to us in different ways. Well, friends, um, everyone seems to know about the Ten Commandments, but sadly, uh, most people are mistaken when it comes to using them. So let, let me remind you, they are not a path to salvation. They are not something to impose on society. In one sense, they're not even for Christians. No, no. We need to use the Ten Commandments in the light of the New Testament. We need to let them show us our sin. We need to let them lead us to Jesus for forgiveness. And then we need to let them inform us in our covenant with God, in our life of obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Mighty God, our loving and holy Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you have rescued us with a, a rescue far greater than Israel's. You've rescued us not just from one country to another, but rescued us out of sin and death and hell. And you are bringing us on our way to the new heaven and new earth where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, where there will be a home of righteousness without sin. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have fitted us for that new place by forgiving us our sin and giving us your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this brilliant and magnificent new, co new covenant uh, foreshadowed in the old. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might live as your redeemed people, uh, eager to do what is good, eager to offer our whole lives as living sacrifices to you. We pray it in Jesus' name.